Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. Hey guys, welcome back to the Oh My Allergies podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking all about why people think that they have food allergies when they actually don't. And I know I've done an episode on why faking an allergy is not okay, like something around those lines. But I thought that it would be really interesting to kind of just do some research and really just figure out why so many people think that they are allergic to something, specifically food when they aren't, and like what's kind of the root of this common problem. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today in today's episode. But if you are new to the podcast, or even if you aren't, stop drop, roll, and subscribe to the Oh My Allergies podcast. Make sure that you take the time to write a review and rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Hopefully the rating is five stars. Make sure that you follow us on Instagram, which is at Oh My Allergies, and keep sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know. And before I get into the meat of today's episode, you guys know I got to talk about what's been going on with me because lately there's there's just been a lot. So without further ado, let's just get right into the what's been going on update. (sighs) So uh, what's been going on with me? Well, life has been crazy, folks. If you Follow the uh, Oh My Allergies podcast Instagram, which is at Oh My Allergies. So if you don't follow us already, make sure you do so because important updates will be on the Instagram first. But I went on to stories recently and talked a little bit about why I recently had to take a step back from the podcast. Um, I feel like this year... I've not been able to catch some sort of a break. You know, I had an injury that happened towards the end of 2020 in December that's really just followed me into 2021 that I'm still dealing with. And then, you know, now currently dealing with someone in my family recently passing away, which has been really the first loss that I've had in my immediate family. And it's just been a lot. So this year has definitely been a lot for me. And lately what I've been doing, especially, you know, dealing with, you know, so many different emotions, like I said, on my Instagram post dealing with, you know, confusion and sadness and grief and all of the things, you know, I've really just been taking this time to just immerse myself in books And I've been reading a lot to just take my mind off of everything and just really give myself a break from my own reality. And it's been such a really great outlet for me lately. So I've been reading so much. I'd probably say within the past two months, I've read almost like 20 books. So I've really just been busy with reading books. So I've been reading books that I have found a lot of people recommend on like Bookstagram and Booktube and Booktalk. And, you know, there's just been a lot of different types of books I've been reading. 
And I've been reading like a little bit of contemporary romance and some literature and fiction with a hint of mystery slash thriller and a little historical fiction. Now for the historical fiction, I've only read like two books that probably fall underneath that whole historical fiction genre. And out of them, I only really liked one of them. I found that I'm just not a huge fan of that genre. And I think that's just because I can't really connect with it. The one that I felt like really kind of fell underneath that historical fiction genre a little bit, but then kind of was a little bit into like the young adult, like new adult type stuff was this book called Concrete Rose by Angie Thomas. If you are familiar with her, then you probably have read or even watched the movie The Hate You Give. Concrete Rose is a prequel to The Hate You Give. And oh my gosh, I honestly didn't think I was going to like the book. Book was five out of five for me. I highly recommend you read that book. That book is so good. It was so funny. I would laugh out loud reading that book. And it was honestly just what I needed especially during this time for me so highly recommend that book I've been reading mainly on my Kindle Paperwhite right now like right before I go to bed so some books they're just really good that I just stay up all night trying to finish them if you're a reader you know but if you have any like book recommendations be sure to send us a message on the oh my allergies Instagram page at oh my allergies if you have any because I'm always on the lookout for new books to try well you know, they're new to me or they might be new books, never know, but definitely have been into reading lately. But that has been what's been going on with me. So I guess with that being said, I can get right into my foodie likes. So my first foodie like that I want to talk about, it's from the brand Sewn. And it's their oat creamer in the vanilla flavor. Surprisingly, I'm actually a big fan of this creamer. And I say surprisingly because I've tried oat milk before and I honestly thought it tasted like oat water. Sorry, not sorry. I was just like, no, oat milk is not for me. I don't understand why it's such a big trend and why so many people love it. And they're just like, oh my gosh, I love my oat milk latte this and blah, 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 blah. But... Also, one thing I did not really care for when it came to like the whole oat milk trend is that it tends to be like really high in calories and in carbs because I mean, it's oats. Like, what do you expect? But with that being said, I was really hesitant to try this. So I was just like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to like it, especially with my past experience with oat milk itself. But I actually tried it and I was like, oh my gosh, I like really like this creamer and I can now see why people love oat milk creamer so much it's so creamy it, this one doesn't taste watery at all I will say the vanilla flavor is pretty strong and it's sweet sometimes it's a little too sweet for my taste so I try to only use just a little bit because of that also really love the fact that the calorie count is really low and it's certified gluten-free for all my gluten-free friends out there so Highly recommend trying this creamer. It's allergen friendly. It says it's allergen friendly on the website because I checked. So definitely check it out because it is so good. Chef's kiss. So good. So uh, the next foodie like I want to talk to you guys about. It's from a brand that I've talked about on the podcast before. Maybe in the last episode or maybe the episode before that. I don't really remember. But it's from the brand From the Ground Up. And it's their butternut squash sea salt crackers. 
I've talked about my love for the brand from the ground up when I talked about the cauliflower crackers. I recently tried their butternut squash crackers and oh my gosh, guys, these are literally my favorite new crackers right now. They are so good. I was really hesitant because I was like butternut squash and crackers is like kind of weird. And I was like, okay, like this whole thing with like squash this, squash that, and like squash being all over the place. I thought it was like too far. Like people using like butternut squash to make like noodles and all of these other things and blah, blah, blah. But I will say these crackers are good and I definitely am going to get them again. So highly recommend. But those are the foodie likes that I wanted to talk about in this week's episode. So with that being said, I can go right into the allergy news. So this allergy news article is actually in honor of something that is a very exciting that is happening in the allergy community. And it's revolving around an organization that I initially first came across on Instagram. And since then, I've been a big supporter of them and their mission. And they also support the podcast as well. And the title of the article is called New Law Protects Children with Food Allergies. And it's from Mid-Hudson News. So on October 7th, the New York State Office of Children and Family Services announced Elijah's law is now in effect in New York State. And the law it is named for three-year-old Elijah Silvera, who died after his child care program gave him a grilled cheese sandwich, even though his parents had notified the provider that he was severely allergic. And so child care programs must follow new health care guidelines for planning and response when it comes to preventing such tragedies like the one that sadly happened to Elijah and his family. So the Office of Children and Family Services are going to be providing free training as well as a free AVQ injector pen dose for small children who show symptoms of anaphylaxis. And this becoming fully in effect in the New York State is such a great step in the right direction for the allergy community. And I really am very appreciative for all of the work that the Elijah Foundation is doing for the allergy community. And hopefully more and more states will put this law or a law that's just very similar into effect. And I would really love to see this implemented in all 50 states and in all U.S. territories. So hopefully as more and more people develop food allergies and allergies in general and the more conversations that we have about food allergies to be able to help with spreading awareness for them that non-allergic people will be able to understand why laws like Elijah's law are really important especially now more than ever but if you want to learn more about this new law in New York We will have links to the article that I'm referring to, as well as the official press release from the New York State Office of Children and Family Services. But that is this week's allergy news. So now I'm going to get right into the meat of the episode, which is all about why people think they have food allergies when they actually don't. So like I said, today's episode is all about why do people think they have food allergies when they actually don't. I'm currently sitting on my bed 
recording this episode because my neck is actually really killing me right now. And so this is a lot more comfortable than sitting in a chair. But one thing that I will say that when it comes to, you know, this whole world of allergies, especially food allergies, is that it can be such a confusing one to navigate through. You know, once you figure out that a certain food or foods has impacted your body, whether that's through um, an itchy rash or even through, you know, diarrhea, it's really easy to just think that that type of a reaction is an allergic reaction. And I personally think that this all comes from people thinking that they actually know what an allergy is, but like they really don't have any idea what an allergy actually is. One thing that I've come to realize when I'm talking to people who don't have allergies is that the word allergy tends to have a connotation of meaning that you have an unpleasant experience with food rather than having the connotation that your allergen has the power to possibly, you know, cause life-threatening symptoms and possibly, you know, kill you. And I came across this article from the New York Times and there was a doctor that was mentioned in the article. His name is Dr. Barry Glasner and he's a sociology professor at the University of Southern California, so USC. And the article mentioned how Dr. Glasner discovered that chickpeas give him intestinal distress. And he said the following. This is like a quote straight from the article. When I tell people I don't eat chickpeas, they say, oh, you're allergic. And then the article continues on to say that, you know, he wishes that he could say yes, but he feels obliged to explain that, no, he's not allergic and that he just can't tolerate chickpeas and he knows that he is unlikely to change people's minds about allergies because like I was saying a little earlier that people tend to have this connotation with the word allergy meaning that you have an unpleasant experience with food rather than you know all the things that we as people who have allergies know is what an allergy means so just because you have you know, a reaction to food. It doesn't mean that you have a true food allergy and that it could be something else. So let's just start with an example that a lot of people tend to be really familiar with. So one major common allergen is dairy. And most people know that when it comes to dairy, there is, you know, the dairy slash milk allergy part, and then there's lactose intolerant. And a lot of people tend to know someone who is lactose intolerant. And people who are lactose intolerant tend to lack the enzyme lactase to, you know, varying degrees that allows them to be able to break down lactose, which is the sugar in milk. Now, I do want to do a full on episode about the difference between having an intolerance versus an allergy. And I know I've been saying this for the longest time. It's coming soon. Still trying to put the pieces together. So I'm not going to go too much in detail about the difference between an intolerance and an allergy. But even though consuming a large amount of lactose containing dairy products can cause a person to feel uncomfortable, that uncomfortableness, if that's even a word, uh, is not life-threatening, which means that they can drink, you know, a milkshake or have some ice cream, but they're just going to pay for it later. 
But you have a higher likelihood, like I said, of coming across someone who has an intolerance rather than coming across someone who actually has a milk allergy, which means that they can't drink milkshakes and that the root of the problem is with their immune system. Now, allergists, they tend to call these types of responses IgE mediated. And that's because, well, they're mediated by a protein called immunoglobin E. The abbreviated version is IgE. And that's an antibody that your immune system produces whose job it is to identify, you know, different intruders that might be coming into the body. So people with allergies accidentally produce IgE molecules that identify proteins and foods like peanuts and shellfish or tree nuts and milk as being dangerous. And so that means that when you eat these things or consume these things, IgE are like an alarm that kicks up a massive immune response and it recruits histamines and other immune cells that kill, you know, these proteins that have into your body that are usually viewed as being harmless. So it's like this overreaction that happens in your body that causes, you know, your throat to close or your blood pressure to drop or any other symptoms that are usually associated with allergies. And so when your body deals with this type of a response, this can be absolutely life-threatening. And so not everyone that has a true food allergy is gonna have the same symptoms. I've talked about that in so many episodes and from interviewing different people on the podcast, we have so many different allergies, um, symptoms, but they could be to the same allergen. But all in all, all of us, you know, that have an allergic reaction, it's all governed by this immunoglobin E. So if you have any sort of pain after you consume, you know, dairy, shellfish or eggs, these are all known common allergens. It might be best for you to just avoid them, but when it comes to allergists and them counting people with food allergies, they're not counting you. And that's because, you know, when it comes to intolerances, there are usually certain symptoms that are associated with them that aren't traditionally found when it comes to allergy symptoms. So symptoms like belly pain, diarrhea, and nausea, those are symptoms that are typically not associated with allergy symptoms. And that's because those are people who don't have allergies and they have some sort of a food intolerance. Now, according to the AAFA, which is the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America, 32 million people have food allergies in America. And out of that number, 26 million, so 10.8% of U.S. adults have food allergies. And according to a study that was done back in 2019, the study was called Prevalence and Severity of Food Allergies Among U.S. Adults. It was conducted by Dr. Ruchi S. Gupta, uh, Christopher M. Warren, Bridget M. Smith, who's also a doctor, and so many other scholars. In this study, it was said that almost twice the amount of people think that they have an allergy. And the findings of the study were that in a population-based survey of 40,443 U.S. adults, uh, like I said, an estimated 10.8% were food allergic at the time of the survey, whereas nearly 19% of adults believed that they were 
food allergic and nearly half of food allergic adults had at least one adult onset food allergy and a 38% reported at least one food allergy related emergency visit in their lifetime. So to break that down a little bit more, basically the findings in this study were that, you know, like I said, the 26 million adults in the U.S. having food allergies, but when it came to that survey, you know, nearly double the amount of people that have uh, food allergies who are adults thought that they had food allergies, which kind of goes to the whole point of this episode of, okay, like why do so many people think that they have food allergies when, uh, you know, that they don't? And I really think it really just comes down to their needing to be more education and awareness when it comes to food allergies, because I think it just all just stems from misinformation and getting a lot of the symptoms between an allergy and intolerance mixed up, or even getting an allergy mixed up with, you know, a gastrointestinal issue, you know, like a GERD or, you know, something along those lines, you know, just getting, it just really just comes down to getting symptoms mixed up and thinking that an intolerance and an allergy is one in the same or thinking a gastrointestinal issue and an allergy is one in the same where even though some of those conditions can have some overlap when it comes to symptoms but they are not the exact same and there are major differences between each and every one of those things and actually in you know the study that was done one in five study participants thought that they were food allergic, but only half had convincing symptoms. And when it comes to convincing symptoms, the study had, you know, stringent criteria for being able to label participants as having a convincing food allergy. So the symptoms that they looked at affected, you know, the skin, the airwaves, the digestive and cardiovascular symptoms. So having symptoms such as like hives, having your lips swell up, having your chest tighten up, you know, vomiting and a feeling faint or lightheaded. Where when it comes to, you know, symptoms of, you know, an intolerance or other gastrointestinal issues, you know, that has to deal with difficulty digesting particular foods. Um, and those types of things were not included in the data in the survey. Now, I will say one thing that I learned from really just looking at the study and doing, you know, research and looking at different articles that talked about uh, this study is that there are a lot of adults out there that have some sort of a negative response to food or foods. And because of that, it's really important to make sure that you know, if you have a negative reaction to a food that you get the proper diagnosis so that you can know if it's something that is, you know, treatable, such as, you know, an intolerance or if it's something that is life threatening, like a food allergy that requires you to be very careful uh, when it comes to managing that allergy. 
And so also another thing that I learned from this study is the fact that there are a lot of adults that deal with allergies, which I think is something that is a common misconception when it comes to the allergy world is that allergies only affect kids and you usually, you know, develop allergies as a kid. But, you know, this study is really very telling in that there is a significant burden of having food allergy disease when it comes to adults. And therefore, yes, people and kids that have food allergies, you know, they're important, but also making sure that you are putting, you know, a lot of attention and resources towards diagnosing and treating adults who have food allergies as well. That's one thing that I've come across, whether that's being on, you know, the food allergy and allergy community on social media, or just from talking with people, a lot of people tend to think that children are the only, you know, people that tend to get food allergies. And you know, you can't develop them when you are an adult. And that is something that is common. And that's something that I've come across from, you know, talking with different people who have food allergies that might not have had them when they were younger, or they might have had another type of allergy, you know, whether it's seasonal, things like that, you know, an allergy to fabrics, stuff like that uh, but not necessarily a food one and that's something that they developed when they were you know a young adult or a new adult or a full-fledged adult you know so I just think that the study is very interesting I will have the study uh, in our show notes so that you can take a look at it because I actually found it to be very very interesting just all the different findings and just really able to see and kind of look at the different results as to why some people, you know, think that they have a food allergy, but they actually don't. And it could be something else, but it's something that's fairly common, I find. That's fairly common that a lot of people tend to get a lot of these different health conditions mixed up with each other. And it's very crazy. But like I said, it really just comes down to having a more food allergy education and just allergy education in general because I think a lot of people don't understand what a food allergy is but people just don't even understand like the actual basics of an allergy and like what is an allergy and why do we have allergies which is why you know I came out with that episode recently just talking about allergy 101 of what is an allergy because you would be surprised how many people don't even know the bare bone basics of an allergy because that helps you that foundation helps you to really be able to understand okay once you understand what an allergy is okay what's a food allergy what's a seasonal allergy what's a skin allergy you know those are building blocks to what an allergy is. So it really just comes down to education and awareness. And even though you might not know a person in your life that has an allergy just in general, that doesn't mean that you don't need to know what an allergy is because you may come across a person who has an allergy or a food allergy or a skin allergy or a whatever allergy. And it's just better to know what it is I mean there's so many people that deal with it there's 32 million Americans alone that deal with food allergies there's so many more millions of Americans that deal with allergies in general so especially now with more and more people that 
I know that I come across that have allergies and they're becoming a lot more common. But hopefully, you know, with much more and more research being done on allergies and food allergies specifically, that a lot more people will be able to finally realize the difference between a food allergy and, you know, other different digestive system based health conditions that might have some overlap when it comes to food allergies or maybe not even overlap, but maybe lines might be blurred. You know what I'm saying? So hopefully as different studies that are done in the future, hopefully, you know, a lot more clarification can be done. And hopefully, you know, a resource like the Oh My Allergies podcast can serve, you know, as a really great resource and being able to figure out, you know, what those differences are. We have so many episodes that are out about, you know, what an actual allergy is, different types of allergies that exist, episodes on food allergies, episodes on, you know, other autoimmune conditions, and just on so many different topics when it comes to allergic disease as a whole. Now, just because you don't have an allergy, you know, I don't want anyone to think that, you know, whatever they are feeling is just in their head, just because it may not be directly related to an allergy. And it could possibly be more of a GI issue, uh, because there's tens of millions of people that have a genuine uh, problematic intolerance. And when it comes to allergists, they only consider responses that are mediated through immunoglobin E to be allergies. And so the average person, like I said earlier on in the episode, tends to consider any type of negative response to a food to be an allergy. But how you can differentiate the two is that having a true allergy is something that could be dangerous. It's something that could come with having a serious reaction that can result in anaphylaxis and a visit to the emergency room where when it comes to dealing with a GI issue it just makes you feel uncomfortable in terms of your digestive system like you just feel like your stomach is like turning and you're just like oh my gosh you're like just in so much pain in that way where like an allergy could affect you know, your breathing, or it could affect, you know, your vision, you know, things that could affect your quality of life, because, you know, technically, having an allergy is a disability. So having allergies really comes down to them affecting your quality of life, you know, having a gastrointestinal problem, like it's intolerance, won't probably affect your quality of life as much as an allergy has the possibility of doing, especially life-threatening ones that come with the whole anaphylaxis and, you know, having it where your airwaves are closing up and you're having problems breathing and you have swelling and things like that. You know, those are the things that usually are typically associated with an allergy. And so researchers actually in this study, they talk about how there needs to be a higher level of understanding and awareness when it comes to food allergies and really encouraging people that have any sort of problems with food to see an allergist because that's honestly going to be the only way you're going to figure out if what you are experiencing is truly an allergy or if it's not an allergy. And the reason why I mentioned going to an allergist is because at an allergist, you can get tested. And that is pretty much a straightforward way as to trying to figure out whether what you are dealing with is either digestive system based or dealing with your immune system. 
And so depending on, you know, how you look at getting tested for allergies, the worst thing that could happen is that you figure out that you don't have a true allergy and, you know, just going to be honest and transparent that you're out of some money if your insurance does not cover it. But at least you have that sense of knowing whether or not you have an allergy or not. And in that case, you don't have to worry about avoiding certain foods at all costs. You just probably don't want to have to eat them unintentionally. And if you do turn out to have an allergy, you know, it's important to get a full on diagnosis because if you are new to the allergy world, getting a diagnosis means getting, you know, the proper counseling about how to be able to take the necessary precautions and potentially, you know, getting an epinephrine prescription, you know, in case you come into situations where you're exposed and you need an auto injector to be able to help you get through those scenarios that kind of get into that stage of getting into anaphylaxis. You know, if you are new to the world of allergies or maybe you're not and, you know, you're reflecting on everything that I've talked about in this episode and you're just like, dang, like this just sounds like a lot. It sounds like overkill. But like I say in all episodes, it's better to be too cautious rather than being reckless and unknowing because like I said I've talked about it on the podcast over and over again like a broken record it's really important to know you and your body especially when it comes to allergies because knowing your body is always gonna you know benefit you in the long run when it comes to your allergies you know knowing your body you're able to know like if you're allergic to something or if it's something that you know your digestive system is sensitive to and knowing how to make those adjustments to be able to better cater to you having a better quality of life which is what all these episodes are supposed to be doing it's supposed to be helping you learn how to live your life with allergies and uh, other immune conditions and learning how to thrive in your life with these conditions so hopefully you all found this episode to be really helpful and very informational all the different like articles and especially the study that I referenced in this episode they will all be linked in the show notes so you all can take a look at them and be able to see the study for yourself and kind of be like oh that's what she was talking about in this episode okay she wasn't making any of this stuff up (laughs) but Hopefully you all enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure that you are subscribed to the Oh My Allergies podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure that you take the time to rate and review the podcast. Hopefully it is five stars. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, which is at Oh My Allergies. Keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know. And I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye, guys. Bye.